Hi, this is BuzzFeed Podcast, where we interview the innovative, the daring, and the bold with informative topics for the Black LGBT. Anyone who knows me, they know I love the creative side of Black creativity. <laughs> I love it because of the fact it shows so many, so many facets and so many different sides of us. And I had to give this particular guy, I came across this guy actually on YouTube. Thank God for YouTube. Great platform. And it kind of showed this... This little, this little icon that came up and said, Art House. Didn't know what it was, but I knew that it was actually pertaining to online filming. And let me tell you, I was pleasantly surprised of the content, how it was done, how it was executed, and I had to find out more about this person. So we have an exclusive interview with Mr. Lamont Pierre. How you doing, Lamont? Pretty good, pretty good. Thanks for having me. No problem, no problem. You know, I, I became very interested in your work once I started finding out more information about some of the things that you do. You're you're a film director, you're a writer, you're a director, uh, you're producer. Are you also a producer with that too? <laughs> yeah, I'm a producer. <laughs> all right, all right. And some of the things that I came across, I was quite surprised to, like I said, to be pleasantly surprised about some of the things that you've actually done. And so I just want to kind of get the audience to familiar exactly who you are exactly what type of things you've done in the past and just take it from there okay okay um but i'm a filmmaker i guess you could say i originated from um uh tallahassee florida where i went to college florida state university and that's kind of where i honed my my writing skills and even my filmmaking skills because that's where i produced my very first i mean they call them web series now but back then they weren't called web series independent Okay. You're a little, um, little bit more on the independent side of things in the beginning, I guess you can say. Yes, and um, you know, I'm self taught. Um, self taught. Always wanted to get into the film school. Always tried to get into the film school because my college had a film school, um, but never did. They were extremely selective. Only took a handful of kids every year, and so I was like, you know what? I'm not gonna wait. To, you know, my philosophy in my career, I've realized, has always been. I've never wanted, you know, to wait for somebody's per, per, um, permission to move my career along. You know what I mean? Completely. And agree. even in the beginning, I always felt like, well, damn, if I can't get into the film school, does that mean I can't be a filmmaker? Like, nah. <laughs> nah. I'm going to do this on my own. I'm not going to wait for somebody else's permission. And so that's been, honestly, the philosophy, the, the kind of like underlying philosophy my whole career and why I have always been and why I'm still an independent filmmaker because I just feel like, dude, I'm just not not the kind of person that um, that likes to sit and wait for somebody else to give you permission or to green light you anything close to the type of career that you want for yourself. You know what I mean? Right, right. I just work for my personality, for my nature. My nature is, well, if I want it, then I'm going to make it happen for myself. I'm not going to wait for you to see the value in me so that I can have that life, you know? Now, so. you know, you, said, you know, I do like the fact that, number one, you didn't, and that, which is kind of rare. I got to say that it's very rare for a person to not have gone to film school to actually mm-hmm. become a director, unless you've started out as a talent, you know? In yeah. this particular case, it didn't go that way. Does, have you come across many directors who actually... Uh, creators like yourself actually came across that sort of path they actually went well nowadays um just in recent years it is it is rare 
but I remember when I was, you know, this is, you know, I got, I got started like, you know, 13, 14 years ago. So when I was in college um, and when I was in high, high school and, and going into college, um, it wasn't rare. It was, it was, it was the understanding that, you know, you know, even though it wasn't impossible to do it outside of film school, the understanding when I first went, you know, entered college was around 2002, that you, you, you probably should go. If you can get into a film program, you probably should, should go. And then as the independent movement, um, the independent filmmaking movement kind of um, shaped itself over the years, you know, the years, the years after, you know, and, and techn- technology kind of caught up to people's uh, creative desires. Film school ended up being edged out. Really, you know I, mean? I did not uh, know that. Okay. Yeah, and because it, it, it felt very, it, it felt very different years ago. It felt like if you can get into a film program, you should try to get into it and and do it. But over the years, um, I think I really do think it's because technology um, has caught up. You know I what? I think I agree with you on that. It seems like technology. <laughs> no, because yeah. technology's kind of ruled out. Even the music industry. I was saw, I actually mm-hmm. saw a documentary of how some of the you know yeah. the big studios used to have all these major equipment and you know certain sounds and they were very yeah. particular particular about it. But now, as long as you got a laptop, you got a studio. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and you have the software, then you can you can kind of teach yourself. And so you know people can have the debate about if it's if it's if it's really better to be self taught versus not, but. You know, I think nowadays, you know, I I really got caught up in once I realized, oh, you mean I don't have to wait for, you know, um, some pictures to buy my script to be a filmmaker. Like I can actually get started on my own and get it to an audience. And and, and I really got caught up in liberation. Okay. Okay. In the independent movement, you know what I mean? It's people's desire to. Who want to feel control of, more in control of their own destiny? And that makes know? sense. That makes total and sense. So I really do think that um, that is what's happened over the years. And so you know, people want to be free. Okay, and that you know that that totally makes sense to me, especially when a lot of when you start seeing even the, again, I kind of convert back to the music industry of how a lot more mm-hmm. major artists are now going independent. So it seems yeah. like they have a lot more creative control. They're able to see the a little bit more fruit uh, from uh, their own labor. Yeah. Um, and now, one of the biggest things that you know what gave me more attention to you is, mm-hmm. is because of the of several of the web series that you have created. And, and you know, I'm doing my research, and everybody knows I do my research. When it came down to, you know... <laughs> some people don't. I, you know what? And that's the thing. I, I, I kind of surprise people sometimes. So when it came down to I the award-winning uh, web series Freefall, and uh, yeah. that you kinda, it kind of cast you in a different light. It Was that the one that you can actually say was that particular series that kind of gave more attention to Lamont Pierre? Oh, man. That series, I, I mean, this is a grand statement to make. You know, um, so, but I'm and I'm not trying to be grandier. Of course, but I I do believe that that changed the course of my career, um, because I never had a hit. Okay, okay. That never had a hit. I never had something that was just getting so much, um, so many eyeballs on it. You know, 
and I mean, we were on the West with that series, and so it just it just it just raised the bar, you know, uh, in a lot of ways for my career and even how I looked at my career. For all that project imperfection, um, it definitely did that. Now let me ask you this, because by you coming in. Not that you know, not that much experience in terms of filmmaking. Didn't go to filmmaking school, and learning this stuff on your own. Mm. Number one, that had to be a challenge in itself. What would before free fall? Because I want to kind of bring it to uh, bring it. Going to bring on convert back to free fall for a minute. Before free fall, what was your first project like? Um. Well, actually, just uh, I, I guess I should clarify the record. Um. I didn't go to film school, but I honestly feel like I did because I did a um, I did a work study in college, uh, okay. um, a year long work study from school at my at my university. And so by working right there in the film department amongst all the film students, like one of my best friends um, is, you know, came from that film program. I met her there. Um, so in a lot of ways, I feel like I did go through their film program for a year because I was right there amongst the students, you know, helping to to um, supervise their projects and and all like like right there. And so that really gave me um, a really good foundation. You know what I mean? Like I got to I got to learn a lot of things that I would have learned if I had actually been a student. You know, so in a sense, I do I got some sort of a formal, you know, education because, you know, if you know anything about like a, a structured university film school program, like it is rigorous, it is, it is, you know, precise, you know, um, and uh, you, you just see it's such an education. So prior to free fall, I did have that, um, that work study experience. And then um, I had done several projects prior to Freefall. I mean, Freefall is, a lot of people don't know this um, unless they've done their research, but Freefall is actually like my sixth. Your sixth? Six, seven, somewhere around there. It was actually that, uh, you know, so I'd done several projects prior to that, you know, including a project that had just ended called My Brother's Keeper, which I did for seven years. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it did. I did it, and I started in when I was. That was the project that I started in college, and then it went on up until when I moved to LA, and we continued it in Los Angeles. Um, I also did a couple short films that had played at several film festivals, and I had just completed before um, before doing Freefall. I had just completed my very first feature film. Now this is interesting. So so this now. That I could not see. Now, you're, now right. this is basically from you coming and being engulfed and being immersed in the actual film department of the university and, and seeing how things go. So that in itself, you're right. That in itself is a university. But you took the move to move to L.A. and you've been doing this particular series for seven years. What was the, well, first off, what was the platform? Were you also online at that time? Um, um, let me see. We, let me see. We started, we did my brother's keeper and, um, and I started in college. So that's like, um, late 2005 when I, I, I did that one. And then, um, I did that 
for the rest of my college years. So went on for like three more years there. And then I did a couple like short films in addition you know, during that same time. I attempted to start my first feature at that time, but it, it, kind, of, it kind of fell apart. Um, after that, I think like 2008, I actually moved to New York um, where I am now. Um, and that was when I did my, my, uh, my internship turned, you know, job with Lee Daniels on Precious. Ah, so getting okay. back to the whole, um, training thing, I also consider that experience part of my film training because that was the most up close experience. I mean, I feel like that's like the most up close experience you can get, you know, when you're w- literally working, you know, alongside producer like that who's about to have a hit film exactly you know? um so that was very educational you know and i remember being being frustrated working with lee daniels um um or while i was there working with him because i was like you know it's kind of cool he's getting ready to have um i remember telling him that precious was going to be my generation of the color purple you know okay um and, uh, but I was like, dang, I, I don't have any time to work on my own stuff because I'm here working for, 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 for this guy. Right. And so um, when that was over in 2008, like late 2008, I moved to L.A. Gotcha. After that. Gotcha. And then L.A., um, I just continued. I continued the, the one background project, My Brother's Keeper, and then I produced some short films. Um, that was my first time. That was when DSLRs were just becoming popular and like around 2009 and so my all my new stuff was now being was now like the the, the, the production value the 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 quality of the camera even though the camera was so small was so amazing so we were caught up in like the dslr revolution at that time and i produced some short films um produced my feature film talking with the fact man about poetry and um that that takes us all the way to 2012 and that is when I finally did free fall. Now, now, wait a minute. Now, when it comes to, because you seem like you've definitely had the opportunity to definitely be among some some heavy hitters like Lee Daniels himself. Mm-hmm. But when it came down to, I guess when it came down to going the path in which the type of film that you were going to be doing, did you always want to focus on LGBT? No. No, no, no. <laughs> no, no, no. I cannot say that enough. Not, 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 you know, to, to be insulting in any way. Right. But I never, um, I never thought that I would, um, I've never thought I would ever do a project like Freefall, ever. What, so wait a minute. Ever, so what, ever, ever. what made Meaning, you go this direction? Well... By 2012, I had been, you know, in the industry since, you know, like around 2005. Okay. So by then, uh, seven years, I was, and so I was living in LA. I lived in LA for a few years leading up to 2012. And by then, I was very frustrated with my career. Okay. Okay. And I was like, okay, what I'm doing, what I've been doing all these years, I don't feel like it's really, even though I've had some some bright spots. Yeah. I feel like it wasn't working like to like, I was like, I thought that I was going to have like, be like one of the youngest black filmmakers to have a feature film come out. Like 
And then I realized, oh, Lamont, you're getting older. Well, that's not going to happen. It's just like things were not happening the way that I wanted for my career. I, I just I just knew I was going to be like the next Spike Lee, the next John Singleton. <laughs> that, was, that was what was in my and then and, and next Lee Daniels. You know what I mean? Right. Right. Um, and uh, and so by 2012, I was like, I was looking around, like this, this, my career is not going. I just like walked away from a distribution deal that um, I thought was going to be game changing in my career, but it ended up not being the right situation. And I was just frustrated. Yeah. And so I moved out of LA. I left LA. I thought I was just taking like a quick few weeks break out of the city and, um, and going back East. Cause that's where my family, my family um, is from. So I just wanted to just have some downtime. Yeah. And um, it ended up, I ended up staying and then um, I remember being like after a couple of weeks of being on the East coast on this break, I thought I was just going right back to LA on this break. I got bored and I was like, man, okay, I need something creative just to like do while I'm, while I'm here, yeah. you know, um, until I feel well enough to go back to LA and get back into the grind. And um, a friend, me and a friend of mine, I had an idea for a show and I like pitched it to a friend of mine and he was like, Oh yeah, you know, that would be cool to do. So me and him together kind of developed this free fall story, you know? And I said, well, and I was in uh, North Florida, you know, okay. which is where my, my family tech, you know, specifically was. And I was like, well, we'll do this project and then, we'll, but we'll shoot it out of Atlanta. Cause Atlanta was only four hours away. Okay. And uh, Atlanta, of course, as everybody knows, has more of a, Film, film, film community, film industry there. So I said, we'll shoot it out of Atlanta. We'll find our actors there. We'll shoot it there. And, you know, then we'll just do this project. And I was really looking at the project as just something to do, as in like an experimental. Let me just do something that I've, I've never done because I was telling myself, all right, Lamont, you know, if you keep doing what you've always done, you're going to keep getting the same results. So maybe you should do something different career wise, and then maybe you'll start to see different results. And so that's what led me to this free fall idea and then deciding to produce it. So then we, I had found some actors um, in Atlanta, one actor that I already had worked with. Um, and uh, we shot four episodes and we put them out. I think we put them out around Christmas time of 2012. And um, it took off. Like we put it on the web. Yeah, and it, it just like took off, and I was like, "What the hell is happening?" Yeah, <laughs> I, I, and I was like, and I had, I had really with that originally with that project, I really threw away all of my my normal processes, yeah. you know, and I said, "Okay, I'm gonna approach this project like I've never approached any of my previous projects, you know, and I'm just going, and I'm gonna see what the results are, and I'm gonna see how I feel." And so I did a lot of things that I wouldn't ordinarily ordinarily do production wise. Like things were very minimal and I wasn't that concerned about the quality of the acting. Like I wasn't that, you know, wrapped up in, okay, my, my shots and, 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 and really making them what I, I always giving them the type of attention that I, that I've always had. Yeah. I said, you know, I'm just going to just go, okay, it looks different. I'm just going to go with it. And, you know, and so, when I put out the project, I actually didn't like it. <laughs> I didn't like it at all. I thought it was the worst piece of crap that I'd ever created. And what I told myself is, I said, 
okay, well, you taught yourself a lesson. So now you know to stick with your normal formula mind. Don't go outside your box because when you go outside your box, you don't even like your results. Right. You know? Right. So that's why you should. So that, that taught me to trust my instinct. Gotcha. And that was just something that I needed to to teach myself, you know? Right. But despite me not liking this project, the project was catching on. Wow. It was finding an audience. And so here I am, like, you know, we'd released all four episodes, and I remember I was putting together a, produ- a larger production company with two of my business partners at the time. Yeah. And so we were just getting that off the ground, and we were trying to plot out what projects we were going to do, what we were going to, you know, do first for the company. And they were like, okay, so Lamont, so you did this project freefall, so you're going to continue it, right? And have it be a part of the company. And I was like, no. I was like, I'm not continuing this project. It's a piece of crap. I hate it, you know? And it was my business partners who said, well, Lamont, you have an audience now. By then, our episodes had, you know, were receiving like 30, 40, 50,000 views. Yeah, you know, just you know, a couple weeks, and so um, I was like, I don't know, I don't want to continue that project because it. I did not feel like that was. Um, I didn't feel like it was really me as a as an artist. I didn't feel like it was something that I just did, you know. And I did it with a collaborator, which I never. I don't usually work with a like a co writer, you yeah. know. Yeah, and so that was the first time that I did, even though because it was my friend. I kind of, you know, I was not the, uh, the the Nazi that I usually am about my my art with that project, working with a collaborator. I was just like, okay, whatever. You like that? Okay, we'll do it. And so um, to see, to have, a, to have a successful project about something that you don't even like is a very weird feeling. Wow. Wow. It's a very, it's, it's like, it's like a, like you can literally feel your yourself like split into two conflicting parts inside. You know, it's a weird feeling to have a hit. You know, what I mean, that's not. I finally understood what it's like when you when people in like the music industry when they talk about, man, I had a hit song, but I hated that song. <laughs> it's a weird. I understand what that feeling is like because that's how I felt about that project. We had this hit, well, but I hated it. Well, let me ask you this: Is it because yeah. of the fact? Because when I started to think about it. Uh, I remember years ago, Dr. Dre said he hated 187 uh, when it mm-hmm. came down to the song with Snoop Dogg. But yeah. it shot to number one. Now, could it have been because of the fact that the audience that you were serving was very underserved and yes. that became why? Yes, that's exactly what it was. That's exactly what it was. Free fall for everything that I feel, feel about that project and felt about that project initially um i did understand why why it was a hit even though i didn't really it wasn't a great feeling because i was like this is nowhere near my best work and i had just done like a, a few projects that were you know disappointing in terms of the exposure that they got and the attention that they got so and those were the projects that i really felt that i really believed in so okay. then to turn around and do something like freefall and i was like I, you know, this was just a little thing I did just to, just to, you know, pass some time. Right. You know? Right. I ended up feeling like, damn, like, so y'all didn't like what I was presenting, you, you know, before, but you like this, which was like a half effort. And I really started to feel like, well, damn, like, do I have to like dumb down my work now to get across to, to a larger audience? 
Like, I was really conflicted. Yeah. And so um, I did understand that, you know, um, Freefall was serving in a very underserved um, audience at that time. You know, we were one of the first um, Black LGBT web series out there. There were a few prior, but we ended up being the biggest at the time. And why do you, you know? think you became the biggest? I, don't, I think it was just, um, I think it was the fact that we were we were doing, the, the concept was different, the premise was different, and for some reason, I think a lot of people felt like our characters were more relatable than the, the, the few projects that had come prior to us, Okay. you know? Okay. And, the, you know, Freefall had like an edge to it, and, and then, you know, our, some of our production was pretty tight, like when it came to like our, our cinematography, like that was always pretty tight that's one of the things that we were known for um, or i guess that i've been known for and from my work um and i think it just appealed you know in a few different ways to the masses like i i really am one of those people that believe that you cannot predict a hit you know you're right you're i just right believe so it just it, it is literally it's 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 half of it is luck anyway you know what I mean? Like it's, it's you, timing is part of it. Timing of culture at the time, like so, it just happened at the at the time that that you know a, a chord needed to be struck in certain ways. You know what I mean? So I, when I take credit for freefall, I can only take half credit for it because I can't take credit for it for it doing what it was meant to do. You know? No. And so. Um, Moving on, so so uh, eventually, my my business partner convinced me to keep going with the project. And at the time, I was really wrapped up in um, HBO's show The Wire, even though it was already off the air by then. But I was like really into it. I was watching it a lot, and I just was really into like crime drama. Oh, and then the fact that Three Fall was like, well, it didn't start off as a crime drama, but I I changed it into a crime drama, and um, decided to keep doing it. And then the show ended up going for. Um, four years, three seasons, and 46 episodes, I think. Yeah. 46 episodes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And and this, just so people know, uh, this hit over 1 million views. And it was, it was, um, it eventually hit over like about 3 million. (laughs) Three? Wow. I'm so sorry. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Three million views. <laughs> yeah. Now, yeah. is this still is this considered to be the the highest uh, rated LGBT series online? Okay. Nobody's gonna give me my credit for that. Okay. <laughs> but and I'm not even trying to be funny. I just want it'd be nice to like get our props for it. But I have run the numbers. <laughs> yeah. you, so, I have run everybody's numbers over the years, even, you know, some of the recent shows that have come out, like About Him, which was a big hit the year that it came out in the in black LGBT, like media and and in a, a few of the, of, the, of the other shows. But in my estimation, OK, listen, my estimation, give yourself Freefall, credit. Go ahead. <laughs> is still the biggest in terms of numbers. Uh-huh. And in terms of longevity. Now, I w- I'm going to ask you this question now. I'm going to ask you this question because I, w- I want to make a comparison here. Because for some reason, it, I mean, since you mentioned about him, 
<laughs> now, when I look at your work, and first off, you know, I do want to you know get to the name of the the production company, uh, mm-hmm. but when I go to look at about him, it mm-hmm. made me question the content that is necessary for an LGBT film online to be popular. Does it need to have an excessive amount of nudity in order to be respected within the LGBT? Now, when I look at your work, I don't get that impression at all. And and honestly, I think the reason why I attract to that much better, it does not focus on just one aspect of the LGBT community. Now, what are your views on that? Okay, well, the, the, the main thing that I can say, and this is like, this is something that people can take and say that they want to, right? I am not, <laughs> I did not care. But, I mean, the, the, the main difference is, is when you have, like, I am a, I am a, I am a writer first. Okay. 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 I am not a, um, I am not a, uh, a, a titleist. Okay. First, I am not a pornographer. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, I am a writer first. And so when you are a writer, when you went to, you know, when you've trained as a writer in school and you have formal education, you know, story comes first. Gotcha. Gotcha. So if you have a good story, it doesn't leave a lot of room for you to try to figure out gimmicks to try to um, get people to, you know, to take to what you're presenting them. You know what I mean? Right. I always felt like, I don't have to show skin if I can tell a good story. Ah, very good. So, line. okay. What, and it's funny because I was doing an interview last year um, with this site, um, Cypher Avenue, and um, uh, I'd had like a love hate relationship with them over the years. <laughs> <laughs> they've, been, they've, been, they've been like nice and they've been nasty, and it, you know, and you never know which which way they're gonna come at you. That's but Cypher. That's last, Cypher. <laughs> So, yeah, the last interview that I did with them, the, uh, the, the interviewer said to me something that I didn't really realize, but he said, well, Lamont, um, um, he's like, I, you know, it's funny because we've been so hard on you and that show, Freefall, in particular over the years, but to see where the genre, the black LGBT genre has progressed to over the years since Freefall, he was like, oh, man, like, we were way too hard on you guys because we see where you, where what you started and we see where they took it. You know what right. I mean? Right. And he said to me, he was like, if you remember in, in one of the in the very first episode of Freefall, we call that those those first episodes, those first four episodes the preseason. Gotcha. Um, and those episodes are they're not like out there anymore because I, I hate those episodes and I feel like they were not indicative of how I kinda changed the show into a crime drama. Gotcha. But anyway, the very first scene of the very first episode of Freefall ever was a sex scene. And it was the two guys in bed having, you know, having sex, but it was like it was from the um the chess club and it was comedic. Like it was real, like this real awkward like sex scene that we were shooting and they were like <laughs> totally not like characters were like you know, like one was faking it and the other was really thought he was putting it down. So it was like kind of comedic. And, um, but it was very, by today's standards, it was very tame. But I remember at that time, that was controversial. 
back in 2012. Right. Like, me doing scenes. Like that. It was like, whoa, what the hell is this show? Like the very first scene they're doing it. <laughs> so then I really, and the, the interviewer was telling me, he was like, I think that people took that scene because he was like, I feel like you were pushing the envelope at that time. But he feels like when people, when other creators saw that scene, they felt like, oh, okay. So I have to go further in order to, you know, to like, that's like, that's the bar. You know what I mean? Right. And so that's why everything, almost everything that came after Freefall goes so much further. You know what I'm saying? It's like everybody keeps trying to like one up each other. And at a certain, a certain point in time last year, I was like, you know what? I don't even really want to be associated with this genre anymore because you guys have a lot of people, these creators have taken this the LGBT, you know, um, storytelling genre, like web series genre. It really taken it to a place where there's just no respect anymore. Right. You know? Right. So I, last year I was like, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this shit anymore. So y'all can have it. I'm gone. Yeah. You know? Um, and so, um, even though I didn't, totally mean that that's how i felt at the time but um you have people who have not studied to answer your question you have people who have not studied the craft of filmmaking they haven't studied the craft of storytelling you know even if you're self-taught that's what people are today i can't even know it's my generation but the young generation coming up today even though they are very innovative and they're very um independent-minded what you have to remember is that even if you have if you're self-taught you have to remember you still have to um, be thorough and you have to be diligent and you have to really teach yourself your craft, not just the part of the craft that's going to get the attention quickly. So these people, you have creators who are not, who are not studying films for good stories. They're not studying films for good cinematography and, and not just good cinematography, but cutting edge cinematography, like bring something new to the game. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Um, because of shows like Freefall and some other shows who have ha who had some success online, people just kind of like um, like took the most salacious elements of shows like that right. and made their own shows out of it. But they didn't study the other elements that made it a good sh a good a good show and and why it was resonating. So in other words, mean? they kind of dumbed it down. The they dumbed it yeah. down. Yeah, exactly. And so um, that's why you have what you have now. So even like nowadays, there are some projects out there that are good, but you don't know about them because now the audience has become conditioned to expecting no clothes. And now they're actually doing sex acts oh, in God. these web series. Yeah. And I'm just like, wow, like, how do you have and then And then Moonlight comes along which was such a, you know, um, a, a, a beacon of light yeah. for LGBT, LGBT media, specifically LGBT black media. And I'm like, okay, so you had shows like Freefall before. Then you come out with a movie like Moonlight, which is, you know, Oscar-winning film. How do you still create the kind of bullshit that you're creating? Like, this, this, the bars have been set. Like, what are y'all doing? Like, y'all have no problem scraping like you know scraping the the bottom of the barrel right to put out just any old thing like come on like what about putting out greatness what about putting out art you know but these content creators i have learned because a lot of them are out of it were, are out of atlanta and i used to live in atlanta they do not care 
about wow. the audience. Wow. They do not. When I tell you, like, there was a point where, like, I was producing, um, I was producing like the last season of Free. Freefall actually ended because I was like fouling out, I was out of the game. Gotcha. Because I was like, nah, like, like we would probably still be producing Freefall if if things hadn't changed so much, you know. But um, there was a time where I was producing a few LGBT shows all at once. I had Freefall, Kaleidoscope, Miles and Cow, Redskin, and I had, you know, the talent that I had on those projects. Then I started seeing that the talent that I was working with started to work with all the other talent in the city that was producing these, you know, LGBT web series. And I was like, now y'all are trying to just recycle talent. Like, y'all yeah. like, you know, just want like everybody's fine with seeing the same people on every project and every show. Like, I was like, what the hell is this? I said, you know what? I'm going to stop here. I'm going to just stop right here. And I bowed out. I ended all those projects. I moved out of Atlanta. I said, I want no parts of it because this is, this is not what I built originally. You know what I mean? And even though some people have tried to bite off of, you know, my style with free fall and a couple of others, I'm like, like take it to the next level. Then if you're going to do it, you know what I mean? And like, if you're going to, you know, continue this genre on at least, you know, make it better than what I did with it. Right. And the fact that you guys aren't interested in that, I was like, I don't even want to be associated with um, with the rest of the genre. Wow. Wow. So, so you really... I guess, hopefully in a nutshell, I've answered how I feel about well, myself you... versus, you know... It what, definitely what, sounds what like you did. <laughs> it definitely sounds like you did. I mean, because there was one particular article you mentioned... Uh, mm-hmm. Love Jones, because I thought to me, Love Jones, it was not LGBT, but Love Jones was a type of film that I yeah. thought I want to see more black films like that. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that really attracted me to your stuff, your your projects, was because of the fact it did have many elements of that, but also wow. what I saw was elements of heat. If you the, wow. remember the movie Heat, I saw the cinematography. Yeah. I saw certain scenes that came across very realistic. Um, so I saw uh, cinematography is your biggest thing. You definitely gave in casting in a, a much more respectable light. And when I Thank looked you. at, you know, how even with now, uh, there was a recent thing I posted not that, not that long ago when it came to Insecure and how mm-hmm. even light is cast on black characters. And Beautiful. to me those are the beautiful elements along with a nice storyline that did not have to have so much sex. And the greatest part about Moonlight was because of the fact it did not contain sex. It yes. didn't have to have the sex to, yes. in order to really pull people in in a respectable and to really exactly. people to love that and cherish that film. And that was one of the things that really pulled me in. So well, especially you. when I saw Redskin, a beautiful, uh, beautiful, cruel well, thing, uh, Ghost That's of Fort Greene. Those are the yeah. things that, uh, for me, for me, that's what I look for. I'm going to make a statement that um, I feel like should be controversial, even though it probably won't be. But I really, it's, it's, it's going to probably sound horrible to, to some people, but I really do think this is an absolute fact based on all my years of producing um, LGBT content featuring black characters black 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 stories and kind of the 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 black lgbt experience or um facets of it um 
the the overall black LGBT community does not care about art. Wow. That is what I learned. Oh man. I care about art. And that was probably the hardest lesson that I had to learn in in, in all the years and all the, the projects that I've done. You know what I mean? Because you can even factor in, I don't know if you know anything about my feature film, talking with the taxman about poetry, but the main character in that is 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 a gay is a gay character. He's, he's a gay um, intellect, yes. right? Right. Who, who who likes poetry and all that. That's what I learned, man. That's what I learned. I was like, and I and and when I started, when I started, like if I if I knew, it, it sucks to say this, but if I knew what I knew now about the LGBT, the black LGBT world and the LGBT world at large, like the mainstream LGBT world. Um, there would be no free fall. Wow. I would never have done it. I would, oh, I would never have wasted the time, the energy, the resources, the stress, nothing, you know what I mean, over the years. And I've produced, you know, half of my filmography are LGBT stories and projects and films and shows. Um, but if I knew what I knew now about that world and about the, um, the the smaller black LGBT you know media world, I, I wouldn't have even dipped my toe inside of it at all. I would have just stayed outside of it, you know, because um, they don't care about the things that I thought they cared about. You know, in the in the in the real world, you know, there's a very large like like a big part of the mainstream audience cares about you know good storytelling. You know what I mean? Um, you know, films and TV shows that that are groundbreaking. You know what I mean? And they, 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 um, they big up those those projects. You know what I mean? Like they support them. They give them the the acclaim. You know what I mean? In the in the LGBT world, the mainstream LGBT world, you only get recognized if you're white. Wow. Okay. So yeah. no matter how good you are. They're only gonna recognize you if you're white. You could send them your stuff till you're blue in the face, until your email collapses. They do not care because you're not white, okay? And if you're not like there trying to fraternize with them, like if you're not hanging around glad, trying to get in good with them, like nobody cares what you're doing if you're featuring um, stories of people of color or not, they don't care, okay? Then the smaller subset, the black, you know, LGBT community, they do not care about art. Mm, wow. So, like, they just do not. Like, anything that comes out that does not have a sex scene in it, does not have your characters with their, their shirts off and, and all of that, they don't care. Why would they want to do a screening? You know... Like, why? You, you know... Who care, you know, I, about the story. And it's... And I'm going to say this last thing and I'll shut up about it. The, 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 the irony of it all is that all you tend to hear about the, the larger LGBT community and even the the um, the black LGBT community when you hear whoever the um, the uh, the influencers are, all you hear is how much they want better representation, better stories, better better. And I'm like, it's out there. You guys just aren't featuring it. So it makes a creative not want to not want to produce anything. Wow. Because I'm here I am trying to give you what you say you want. You say you want more films with black LGBT, you know, male characters 
you know, you say you want, you know, stories that, you know, uh, a non-LGBT audience can, 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 would like and appreciate and all that. And then when we give them to you, you say they're boring, you say they're, they're too artsy, you say there's not enough sex. And so it's like, well, damn, what am I wasting my resources trying to produce this content for you that you say you want, but you don't really want and you don't support? You know, this is, you know, part of me says this, you know, because even, even as a podcaster, you know, as I definitely. I know you have to feel it, yeah. Yeah, I, I feel some of the things that you're definitely, you're saying, because what I've noticed, especially between my podcast and many other podcasts out there, if you're not talking about sex, dick, and ass, and booty, <laughs> um, your, your subscription following are not, it doesn't go as swift. But one thing I noticed is that, there is still an audience. There is still, an, still an audience. There is, the audience is there. It's just the fact that they're smaller. There's there there are smaller or or yeah. we just choose our time and place to have something to eat. For instance, for right now, I may just want something quick, fast, and easy. I'm going to mm -hmm. eat that McDonald's. But yeah. when I want to feel in a fine enjoyable mood, I'm going to go, I'm going to basically go to a sit down restaurant to where I feel in a good company getting great service. So I think everything has its place. You may not go to that sit down restaurant very often, but because mm -hmm. more convenience is that McDonald's, which you know, is not very nutritious. You know, it's not yeah. the best tasting food, but you go because it's there. And it, yeah. it satisfied that quick little hunger. But you know, when it comes to those simple, those particular moods, you're going to have a nice sit-down restaurant and go to a Ruth Chris. You're going to go to one of those high-end restaurants to make yourself feel better because yeah. everything has its time and place, you know? And you so know, I know what you're saying. I, I do agree with that. I do agree with that. I'll tell you what the most, for me, the nail in the coffin was about how I felt about it all was with Moonlight. I always felt like and said, okay, so here you have this film, which is really by, you know, when you break it down to its most basic thing, it is a gay black film. Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. Okay. So like that is a very, that's the most direct audience for a film like that because of what the movie's about. Right. 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 Um, that film was mostly supported outside of the LGBT community. Just and like ATL, outside, and, right. and mostly, it, yeah, it supported mostly outside of the, the, the black LGBT community. You know what I mean? It was more so a hit. It made most of its money outside of the audience that it was probably made, you know, made for just going off the story. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So that right there is the most, like you can't get a more, like if you have people in the community, no matter what, their tastes are everybody wants you know more stories more representation you know what i'm saying so you can't get more um much more of an example of that than what they did with moonlight and then to have exactly what you know everybody's asking for actually produced on a high scale for millions of dollars and then it wins the oscar so it's really like you know this 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 big deal um but you don't have it supported by the people that it was it was made for and the people it was made to um affect 
to me, it's like, well, damn, that's actually like you being stranded in the sea and the helicopter comes to rescue you and you send the helicopter away. Right, right. To me, it's like y'all don't want the help that you're asking for. So this is why we probably should not be wasting it as much as, yeah, we, we would like to have more. LGBT images, I'm sure the community would like to have more LGBT images and all that, but if you don't want it, why Why would we create it? You know what I mean? You still have people who go, you know, why can't they bring back Noah's Ark? You know what I mean? When Noah's Ark was out, Noah's Ark got so much backlash from the yeah. community. People don't even remember, really remember this, but Noah's Ark was polarizing at the time. It was not a, a thing where people felt like Oh my gosh, yes, finally, like, you had a subset of people who felt like that, but I remember that show getting a lot of backlash, and then eventually it got canceled, but now, 10 years later, or however long it's been that it's been off the air, people are like, oh man, I wish that they would bring it back. Yeah, but are you really going to support it if, it if it does happen? Like, like I really do think that there's a hypocrisy, that's really what I'm trying to say, bottom line, is there is a very big hypocrisy, which when I'm reading, you know, LGBT press or I'm listening to podcasts, people are not talking about this. So there is a hypocrisy dead at the middle of the LGBT community at large and the black LGBT community because you want one thing, but when you have what you say you want, you don't support it or you don't want it. It's just like, you know, why there are so many people who want to be in relationships, but, um, they, they're single, but they would really like to have a relationship, but, and they say that this is the kind of person they want, and then when that person comes into your atmosphere, you don't give them any, any attention. It's like, can we address the hypocrisy here? Like, you know, because it's, it's, it's a problem. Wow. Wow. It's a problem. You know, and, that, it, and it does go beyond just media. You know it what does. I mean? Like, I think it, it there's does. an inherent problem in the psyche of you know, and I'm going to, you know, um, speaking from the, you know, uh, perspective of, of just of generalizing, like, you know, generalizing the whole the whole group, you know, because there are exceptions, of course. But generally speaking, there there is a really big problem with hypocrisy between what LGBT people, LGBT people say they want versus what they really will take, you know. And so on the outside of it, if you're anybody on the outside of it or if you're somebody who is who is trying to. Um, do something progressive, you know what I mean, on the outside of it that can positively in impact the, the group, um, you're sending mixed messages to those people. Because, you know, a lot of the shows that I've made, well, really all the shows I've made has, have been from thinking, okay, this is something that could positively impact the community if it were to catch on. You know what I mean? So when I'm thinking of things that I want to create as a storyteller, I have lots of choices. Yeah, I have, you know, I can pull stuff from the gutter or I can pull stuff that's going to be elevated. You know what I mean? I do have a choice, you right. know? Right. And I've always chosen to do what I've, what I've ended up producing. But I could just as easily do the other shit if that's, if, if, if that's what you really want to support. You know what I mean? So it's like the LGBT community really needs to make up its mind about what it really wants. You know, that happens. You know, I, I gotta I gotta say something that I believe when I had my interview not that long ago, it's gonna be coming out very soon, uh, mm -hmm. with Fly on Red. And he said okay. he said something That's that made a lot of sense. And he said the LGBT 
is dictated by the heterosexual community. If the heterosexual mm-hmm. community likes it, they jump on it. And yes. I, and I, I, kinda, I, I agree with that. You do agree with that? I do agree with that. I think if, um, because at, at, when we did season two of Freefall, we changed, because um, we did 10 episodes for season one, we did four episodes for the preseason. When we got to season two, I went up, we, I created this whole campaign called um, Freefall Season 2 um, Mission Mainstream. Because by then, after doing the show for, at that point, um, like a year and a half, coming, on, coming up on two years, I had figured out that in order for the show to get bigger, in order for the show to get basic support, you know what I mean? I felt like, well, we have to get the mainstream stamp of approval. Because I can't get this show any bigger, even inside of the LGBT community. I can't get it bigger in the community. You know what I mean? Yeah. Unless I get some sort of mainstream like stamp on the show. So we that season we added what we added white characters. You know what I mean? We um, we made the cast the, the supporting cast, not the main cast. The supporting cast a little bit more diverse, you know, and and our marketing was was very different that season because I was like, okay, that like we we need that support even to validate us to the to our our most direct audience. Right, right. So I do agree with that, you know, in in a, in a lot of ways, I definitely agree with that, and it, and it's that's part of the the um the hypocrisy that I'm speaking of in the LGBT community. That's part of the hypocrisy. It's almost like there is a, you know, as you know, can I, I'm going to use this example. I haven't really talked about this yet, but um, you know how, you know, with, with gay people, when they come, when they come out, you know, everybody has that process, whatever it looks like, um, where they just accept themselves. You know what I'm saying? there's a liberation there. There's a freedom there that they feel when they do that. Right. What I have noticed is that that liberation and that freedom is, is um, not as authentic as we even think it is ourselves when we're doing it. You know what I mean? Right. Because um, I think at the root of it, there is still, there is still, um, a lot of self-consciousness, a lot of, you know, lack of acceptance of self-identity, you know what I mean? But to the world, we present it as if we, we've gone over this huge hurdle that's kind of like fixed all our problems, you know? Right. But it's a, um, it's a, it's, it's kind of like, it's an illusion. And I don't even know if that makes any sense, but I tie that to, you know, the, the issue that you mentioned that, that, you know, Fly on Red, Red mentioned, there, there, there is, and that I was talking about with, you know, my content, there is a, it's like there is still a, a desire or a need for some sort of acceptance from somewhere as opposed to really being totally, you know, confident and in yourself and who you are and, and, and what you're about, you know what I mean? So, in a roundabout way, I, I definitely am saying that I, I agree with um, just that there's still that 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 desire for this validation from an outside source before you can even really, you know, 
accept you or the stuff that's yours, including your content. You know, like it's not valid to you unless, you know, they them over there think that is dope, think that is valid, you know? And that's a problem that I really do wish that the LGBT community would really address because I, I, I've, you know, pulled out of the, the, you know, producing content for the community in a lot of ways for, for those very reasons, you know, because the support, despite all the numbers that we get, the support really is not really there. There's a subset, you know, that's there. Um, you talked before about, um, you wanted to get to the name of the, my company, the art house, the art house, you know, art house is, is if, if anybody knows that term art house, that is actually a, a niche, a, a niche, like group of people. It's a, it's a, it's a niche. And so what I've realized is that, oh, Lamont, so your content actually is not for the, the you know, any mainstream community, whether it's the, 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 ma- the mainstream mainstream community or the mainstream LGBT community or the mainstream black LGBT community. You actually have a very, you know, a very particular type of person that, that, that likes and supports your work. And that's who you make content for. And I've learned to be happy with that. You know what I mean? Okay. I've learned that no, I'm not gonna win over the whole community with a particular project like I used to think I could. Right. You know? Right. And the numbers that we're all getting, they can be um they can be really elusive. You know what I mean? They can give the impression that we're getting all this kind of support, but when I tell you that's not, that's not really real. The people who are really making the money are the people who are selling sex. No, let me not say that because we're making money over here. Let me not deny that but making a lot of money a, a, a lot of like a like like really 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 good money consistent good money are the people who are pushing you know the sex and all of that and that's who you know a lot of people are supporting you know um right. for whatever reason so anyway i'm sorry i know i just went off on no no right. let, me, let me tell you and i mean there's what... a connection there somewhere. <laughs> there's a there, no. The, the thing about it is what you're speaking of is is exactly what a lot of people uh, do feel when it comes to certain uh, aspects. Like I said, I know over over my podcast, I've actually, you know, I you know when you start comparing other podcasts, you begin to see you know exactly the same elements, and it seems to me that a lot of people are saying the same exact thing. So I completely get it. I completely understand yeah. what you're saying. So now. Bringing up to date now, because, you know, the, like, again, the content that you have produced, I definitely love. But where does that leave Lamont Pierre now? Um, it's funny because, um, you know, we were talking a lot about, like, uh, you know, what I do and what some of the other folks that have produced LGBT content have done. I just got back from Sundance. Yes. A couple weeks ago, Sundance Film Festival in Park City, Utah. And it's so funny because um, when I, if I'm like on my Twitter or my my Instagram or something, um, and I, you know, post out, you know, oh my God, like I'm going to Sundance or I'll be at Sundance and, you know, isn't that dope? That's lost on the majority of my audience. They don't get it. They don't get it. Like, why is Sundance, like, what, who cares about Sundance? What is Sundance? Why is it relevant to you? Like, and so I say that to say, 
stuff like that is really the heart of who I am and the heart of my career. You know what I mean? I never intended to be this LGBT content creator, this LGBT filmmaker. I never wanted to be, you know, Patrick and Polk, you know, you know, all hail to him. Like I never wanted to be this, uh, this, this figurehead in, in the LGBT community. You know what I mean? And the only reason why I continued making LGBT projects over the years is just because there was, I had, I had a demand for it with my audience base, you know, in a lot of ways that has, that has made me look in their eyes like I'm not the average filmmaker out here who's trying to move his career along or get his script sold to Hollywood or, you know, make a big feature film that goes to Sundance or Cannes or something like that. So what I learned is that like the, the, the black LGBT audience, most of them, they don't see you like they see other filmmakers in the world you know, whose content is on TV or whose content is in the theaters. They don't see you. They see you as if you're you're not that. And I hate that. And I've been trying to push push against that to show that, no, like, I'm not here just to get views on YouTube. That's not, that's not why I started doing this. Like, I started this to be a real filmmaker. You know what I mean? And just because you know me off the web does not mean that that's the, that's the totality of you know, who I am as an artist, as a brand, as a company, all that stuff. And so I started pivoting away from doing as much LGBT stuff because I feel like, you know, in addition to the stuff that we just mentioned, the issues that I have with it um, um, or with that world, um, you know, I, I, you know, a lot of, it's funny because I've always, I, I tell people this, and they don't get this, especially my, my, my fans, Whenever you've seen LGBT content being produced by myself or my company, I always had non-LGBT stuff out at the same time. Oh. Like, I was always producing non-LGBT stuff at the same time. Interesting. But I have built this audience base that only, that mostly, I won't say only, mostly wants to see LGBT stuff. So my network, for example, we have a YouTube channel that has uh, 44,000 um, subscribers, which I know is not a whole lot, but it's decent. Um, so when I post one of my other shows, when they when there's a new episode coming out, do my fans flock to see that? No, they don't because it's not LGBT. Now you and know, no, even when when it comes to that, okay, because mm -hmm. sometimes you know I know when it comes to engaging and knowing your follower, because even mm -hmm. though you may have. They may, a lot of people may actually follow you or not necessarily, they love your film. They don't necessarily engage to tell you exactly what they're looking for. Do they, right, do your audience always. speak to you or, or do you engage with your audience so therefore you know exactly it is coming directly from the horse's mouth? We have always been, I can't say this for my, my company and my, my, my brand uh, and myself personally because I'm the one who who runs all of our social media and everything, we have always done a really, really excellent job with engaging with the fans. Okay. Like we, we go and talk to them directly <laughs> and like on my, on our YouTube channel, like I'm kind of known as the, like, they think I'd I be, I'd be clapping back <laughs> at some of the fans. 
um, I respond just that much. And sometimes I have to respond in a not like nice way and somebody's being <laughs> disrespectful. But I, I, you know, the fans know that I, 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 I talk back. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I used to do a thing for many years, for a few years, where I would also position, you know, the, my actors, the cast, to interact. And I used to always tell them, you know, interact with the fans. And my, my cast have always been very good at interacting with the fans. You know what I mean? Whether it's something sanctioned by, by me or, you know, just them on their own, you know, on their own time in their own social spaces doing it. You know, they've always been been really good at that. So I've always tried to say, this is who we are. Like, we're not just, like, I always, I never let people call my company an LGBT company or an LGBT network because we're not. But you would never know that if all my hits are just the LGBT shows. You know what I'm saying? So when I tell people, if I'm interviewing with, you know, like an LGBT, you know, media outlet, um, um, or even vice versa, I'm always like, 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 if you were to look right now, you will see that there's an equal amount of both. You know, like you may have some shows that, you know, that are not LGBT that didn't run as long as, you know, another LGBT show that was a hit did. But when you look at the different types of content, you're, you're seeing, you know, you're seeing almost an equal split of both, you know, and I've always, once I accepted because it took me a while to accept and to be okay with producing LGBT content in in the beginning. I was not like when I did my first film, which was which has like a little bit of um, in a, like a you know an LGBT storyline. I remember telling my producers when we were before we started shooting, I said we're going to do this film, but I'm not going to put my name on it. Like I'm going to come up with a fictional name and say it's directed by that person because oh, I was wow. like I don't know if I want to be associated with. LGBT content because of um, what I learned to be true, which was when you do produce LGBT content, then people like to put that label on you and everything that you do. Oh, and if you okay. really think that's non-LGBT, they think it's inauthentic. I see what you're saying. I see what so you're saying. So I have really been, one of my biggest battles has been for to get, you know, the public to see me as what I really am, and I am some, I actually am um, in comparison to some people who all they want to do is LGBT content, and that's great if that's, you know, if that's what they want. But for me, that has never been the only thing that I've been interested in, and the only thing that I wanted to produce. And so I just wanted the recognition for who I actually was and what my brand actually was. Gotcha. I didn't want people to try to say I was just one thing when I knew that I was more than that. You know what I mean? Gotcha. And so... Um, when you say, you know, moving forward, you know, what does it look like? Um, I'm doing what I've always done. Like I have a new slate of shows. I just moved to New York because after five years, Atlanta was just not working for my, my, my career goals and the goals for my company. This was not working. Like it was, there's a glass ceiling there. People can argue with me about it, but I, you know, Atlanta is not not working for my career goals, and so finally I shifted production. I shifted my company from New, from Atlanta to to New York, and so I I just got here just a few a couple weeks ago, and um and we have a whole new slate of shows that we're putting out. Um, 
um, almost all new shows. There's one show that's continuing called A Beautiful Cruel Thing, and Redskin, our Redskin show, um, which was always shot out of Atlanta, that's like a fan favorite, you know. Uh, right now, it's, it's been a fan favorite for over a year, but I haven't shot new episodes of that show in a long time because I was just in the middle of this big transition gotcha. um, with, with my company and where I wanted to go next and what that was going to look like. So I kind of put a lot of shows like on hold or I canceled them. But Redskin is a show that is not canceled. That one may continue. We're just trying to figure out where I want to shoot that. Do I want to shoot in New York or not? So despite those two shows, we have a whole new slate of shows and it is what it's always been, which is mixed. You know what I mean? Mixed gotcha. content. You have some shows that are LGBT because I felt like I spent years cultivating, you know, an LGBT audience. So I don't want to totally stop producing content for them, for the ones who do turn to me for a certain type of content. You know, I don't want to stop producing content for them. So I'm going to continue producing some, you know, some, some LGBT shows. But I'm also going to spend just as much time as I always have producing you know other you know types of content and other genres you know that that would attract other audiences so um in particular i've always been drawn to like urban dramas you know like i just love urban dramas you know dark dramas um but i also one day want to do a western you know (laughs) i want to do a musical you know there's one show that i'm trying to develop now it's called ballads and blues and it's it's not an LGBT story. It's about a group of musicians. So I kind of want that to be like my musical, you know. Um, so I'm just continuing to just expand, you know, you know, and really do what I've always done. If I can kind of get out of the shadows of just these, you know, just these LGBT hits that I'm known for. Now I'm thankful for the hits, but you know they're not the totality of, of what, of, of what I, what I'm about. So I'm just continuing on the journey that I've always been on in a new city that offers um, new opportunities, you know? So, and you know, and the thing about it is I also uh, observed, you know, along with wanting to do a Western and a musical, uh, you also wanted to do uh, one of your goals is to do a foreign film, a foreign language film. Is that correct? Oh, yes, 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 yes. I, I, I am, um, you know, getting back to the, the, the the name of the company, the art house. Um, I am. I learned over the years that at my core, I'm an art house filmmaker. Like I'm I'm the guy. I'm the guy who's producing some little obscure like art film. You know what I mean? Like I'm that guy. Like I love art films. I love art house films about you know some obscure story about some character on you know the fringes of society society that has some really innovative cinematography or innovative editing or whatever i love you know films like that you know so in my own career i i really want to you know fully realize you know you know that which i love you know what i mean i love i love art you know so I do think that's one reason why cinematography has become like a, um, an identifier in my work, you know, because I, I really do make a conscious effort to try to give every single project of mine, whether it's a film, whether it's a series, its own distinct visual look, you know, yes. because 
that is what you know that's one of the things that film's about is film is a is a visual medium so you have to really like like you know there's a you know you really got to put a lot into that you know as the artist um so i try to do that in my work and i want to with the audience that i have and i really think that i'm i'm starting to like as i continue on my audience is becoming more fine-tuned you know yes um and I'm, I'm, I'm developing an audience that does like, you know, the LGBT stuff along with the non-LGBT stuff. You know, I'm, I'm really starting to, to fine-tune that audience. And that's the audience that I really want is, is the type of audience that no matter what the story is about, just because you like my artistic voice, you're going to check it out. That's the audience that I want. I don't want the audience that you're only a fan because of the LGBT stuff. You know, you know? I... The more I think about that, I think it's because of the fact, isn't that the average? Because if you think about it, most people who actually do like the LGBT content you produce, most LGBT don't watch everything of LGBT. <laughs> they they kind of yes. go off and they watch many other things, many other shows that may not necessarily contain the LGBT. So to me, I'm thinking to myself, you know, the, the where you go with your art. Cause that's what it yeah. is. It's beautiful art. Yeah. And yeah. Exactly. But you know, with in the with the LGBT audience, and this is one of my my gripes with the the audience at large is they do not um they just they do not really want you to be any to be anything else. You know what I mean? Or or, or I remember when um we were doing um when when freefall. Um, we, I, I switched the concept of free fall from being like this stupid roommate love triangle like comedy drama bullshit um, and I switched it and said I want free fall to be like the wire right and yeah. so um, I switched the concept around when we went and did our official first season which is how a lot of people like a lot of people didn't even know about our preseason a lot of people came on when um, like we did the preseason and we started the first official season and our audience had gotten bigger. So we have some people who missed the preseason who only who've only known us to be a crime drama series. But the people who were introduced to us prior when we switched to a crime drama, um, they were like, What the hell is this? Why would you <laughs> why would you make them be into like crime and like there's you know violence and drugs and all that. And I'm like and you got and those fans were saying oh, the show is too complicated to follow. Like, why can't it go back to being a simple, you know, with them just throwing shade at each other and all that? And I would always comment that year. I spent a lot of time commenting and telling them, do you watch Scandal? Right. You watch Scandal, right? So why can't why can't I do the same things with, with LGBT characters that anybody else is doing, like, with a show like Scandal? Like, why does why does LGBT content only have to be like a couple things and that's it. And so when I'm presenting, you know, a crime drama, you know what I mean? With, with, with very, you know, with kind of complex to be indie and to have, you know, little resources at the time, we were doing some complex like storylines, you know, on, on free fall. Why can't I do that and have you be open to it? Well, you can't. You, know you, you can't. So in a lot of ways, the LGBT audience really wants to wants you to only be a couple things, and they don't really want you to expand and be experimental and, and all of that. And as an artist, you think that you're being 
cutting edge and pushing pushing the genre forward. It's just that now you're featuring LGBT characters, black LGBT characters, but the audience is not open to those changes. And it's like, well, aren't I a filmmaker too? Like, why can't I create a Well, well this is why what I'm going to say to you about that. One thing I've learned, and this is with Auntie Oprah, <laughs> um, when, when Oprah was interviewing Lady Gaga, and yeah. one thing about that I totally walked away with with uh, a certain respect for artists who gets to that level, mm-hmm. they no longer start asking for, they no longer ask for permission. And when exactly. it comes to Lady Gaga in particular, she said something that Oprah completely agreed with. She said, you have to learn when to turn off the noise. And mm-hmm. in many respects, social media is a great tool to give you the momentum of your show, to give you the momentum of a podcast or whatever you're creating. Yeah. But it's also, it can be rhetoric and noise. And you yeah. got to also learn when to turn it off. So to me, yeah. learning when to turn it off is exactly what I think every person who's trying to get to that level, who's trying yeah. to get to that level where they really want to be, you got to learn when to cut it off. And I think, honestly, the work that you have produced, I want to see a lot more of it. And, yes, the average LGBT fan, it's great to see yourself on film, just like the big premiere of Black Panther. They have never, and trust me, gay people will be sitting in that audience too, they have never seen a a, a production of this magnitude of a a budget, and they have never seen any Marvel comic full on production and talent being African-American. So because of that, I think we're now going to be seeing a complete revolution. I think we're now seeing that with the first uh, African-American president being portrayed in a beautiful art. I think there's something evolving. I think there's something coming out that we just haven't quite been ready for but it's coming and i think the the path that you're going by doing other than just lgbt you trust me it's going to get us respects it's just the fact yeah. that everything especially in the beginning takes time it takes yeah time. And, and i have i have um for all of the projects that i've done that have been non-lgbt over the years i've, I've gotten you know um like i guess the respect for it for it it's just a smaller it's a smaller audience so you don't they're not as loud, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, and, right. Um, and that's something that's just uh, still a work in progress, but to what you were saying a second ago about the noise, I actually believe that in order to be innovative at all, in order to be groundbreaking at all, in order to really, to truly create um, a piece of art, whether it does well or whether it doesn't do well, quote-unquote well, um, you don't listen to the noise at all. Like at all, because I believe if I ever listened to the noise, you know what I mean. I don't think I would have ever created any 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 of the LGBT products that I've ever created, because the audience would have never asked for anything that I created. You know what I mean? I think one reason why I've done well is I've brought stories that you didn't even really think of. You know what I mean? Like I I brought those out. I'm like, oh wow, like I never would have thought of like that story, but here it is. Okay, I'm. I'm open to it, you know. I think when you uh, when you listen to the noise, especially going in, and you know you're listening to the streets in your creation period and trying to figure out, oh well, which is some people some people 
feel like that's a great strategy. You know what I'm saying? But um, and, and, I, and sometimes you find success when you listen to the streets. You know what I mean? But for me, if you're trying to be, like I said, if you're trying to be innovative, you're trying to be cutting edge, and you're trying to bring something new to the game that is truly um, uh, organic and authentic, then you just go off of off of your own intuition. You know what I mean? And hit them with something new. Like there are there are things that you will do that will be ahead of its time. You know, like when I was speaking before about free fall and feeling underappreciated. Yeah. I know that you know years later, I think I will see that appreciation. You know, because I do think that free fall was ahead of its time. You know, um. So yeah, I I I absolutely agree. And so I'm I'm pumped. I'm pumped for, you know, my, I always say that I I do always feel, you know, pumped for the future. I'm I'm somebody who, who, um, always looks for my next adventure, you know, both like in all ways, create, you know, personally, professionally, creatively. And so I'm in a new city. My company is in a new city. We're basing most of our productions out of New York. There will be a couple that will be produced in, in LA. Um, just released a new series that I co-wrote with my, my creative partner, Gino Brooks in LA called Jones, which was inspired by love Jones. Ah, so there we go. We just, okay. Okay. Cause we just released it early this morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, I, I think it's, it's, it's dope. I think we, I think we've come the closest with that show at capturing and I shot that whole show. So it's wow. my cinematography. Um, we've come the closest out of anybody over the years at capturing the essence of that movie Love Jones into wow. a series. Wow. I, I really do believe that we, we've, we've come the closest. So, okay. um, so I'm just going to continue to do what I've always done, but I'm, I'm, I'm definitely always looking for the next adventure in my career and creatively and artistically. I'm staying away from labels, a lot of, a lot of labels, you know, um, I do want to be the one label that I do cherish and appreciate is um, um, the art house label because I, I think that that best defines who I am as a filmmaker and who I am as a as a creator, you know. So you'll probably never catch me doing something that's really like mainstream, mm-hmm. you know. You always will. Everything that I do will always have that that um, that indie artsy grit to it, you know, because I feel like. That's me. Wow. You know? And I just appreciate anybody, whoever they are, whatever walk of life that has any sort of appreciation for what I've done or what I'm trying to do with my with my work. And I've made my peace with wherever that ends up taking my career. Right. Like I used to have a lot of put a lot of pressure on myself, like I said earlier in the conversation. I, you couldn't tell me that I wasn't the next Spike Lee or the next John Singleton. But over the years, I realized, like, all of my, like, you're Lamont Pierre, and there's never going to be another Lamont Pierre, and you do not need to hold yourself to other people's successes. You don't. What you do and what you're doing and whatever God has in store for your career will be what it is. Man. So I'm at, a, I'm at a more peaceful place than I've ever been in all, all the years, like I said, the 14 years that I've been doing this. I've never been at a more peaceful place um, with my 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 life and my career as a filmmaker. 
So, you know, the future is bright. Awesome. Awesome. You know what, Lamont, let me tell you. One thing's for sure, you definitely captured a supporter and a fan of your work. And let me Thank tell you. you, I can honestly say I'm going to be seeing a lot more from you. And yeah. It's going to be outside of the LGBT, regardless of what. And guess what? Everyone, because like, like you just mentioned, Pollock, when it came down to his work, um, yeah. I believe that you will you will definitely see because now, yeah, you had you may have had um, you know Noah's Ark, but now yeah. guess what else you got? <laughs> You're getting a great production. Of who's all about Jane? I believe. Um, yeah, a lot of people don't realize. I bet a lot of his fan base doesn't realize that he was a writer yeah. on Being Mary Jane, which was a very a very well done show. Yes, it was. Yes, know? it is. And I was, get, I think that is exactly the path, same path I see yeah. you. And guess what? Yeah. I'm going to be right there watching all the way. Agree with you, you know, giving us a different insight and giving us yeah. a different view of one, our own selves, as well as art. Just exactly what it is, art. And yeah. I, like I said, I'm going to be watching everything you do. So, and by the way, where can they reach you if they want to watch more of your work? And where exactly can they follow you? Um, well, the main place you can follow anything I do um, uh, is uh, com, And um, I think that that takes you to like our YouTube page. But from there, you can find our main platform, our subscription platform, which is where our, our full episodes and our archives of shows that we've done over the years are. And then um, on social media, you can find me at, you know, um, Lamont Pierre. Um, X Lamont Pierre on Twitter and then the Cinematic Poet on Instagram and then of course Art House TV. You type in Art House TV that'll take you to you know many places and you'll you'll find us. So thank you, thank you. Again, this is this is a this has been actually a very a very honest and I, I have the privilege of actually getting some great guests who are completely honest yeah. about what it is that they're doing, how they feel about certain things. And I think it actually, like I said, gives us a little bit more of a, of, of a kind of a view to where we can kind of yeah. look inside and also take a little scrutiny in terms of what we're really paying more attention to. And is that really yeah. going to be something that we're going to walk around hailing proudly through the years? So yeah. thank you so much for coming on the show, Lamont. You really made this a very interesting conversation. Uh, again, look for this post to be looking for the podcast to be posted very soon. Uh, this is Chris signing off with Mr. Lamont Pierre from Mother Speak Podcast. Have a great one, everybody. Thank you.